Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, June 27th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Korah. Numbers 16, 16-30 And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company appear before Hashem, you and they and Aaron. Each of you take his firepan and lay incense on it, and each of you bring his firepan before Hashem. Two hundred and fifty firepans. You and Aaron also bring your firepans. Each of them took his firepan, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and took his place at the entrance of the tent of meeting, as did Moses and Aaron. Korah gathered the whole community against them at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then the presence of Hashem appeared to the whole community. And Hashem spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Stand back from this community, that I may annihilate them in an instant. But they fell on their faces and said, O Hashem, source of the breath of all flesh, when one man sins, will you be wrathful with the whole community? Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the community and say, Withdraw from about the abodes of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, the elders of Israel, following him. He addressed the community, saying, 
Move away from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing that belongs to them, lest you be wiped out for all their sins. So they withdrew from about the abodes of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Now Dathan and Abiram had come out, and they stood at the entrance of their tents with their wives, their children, and their little ones. And Moses said, By this you shall know that it was Hashem who sent me to do all these things, that they are not of my own devising. If these men die as all men do, if their lot be the same common fate of all mankind, it was not Hashem who sent me. But if Hashem brings about something unheard of, so that the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, you shall know that these men have spurned Hashem. Second Kings ten thirty two to twelve twenty one. In those days, Hashem began to reduce Israel, and Hazael harassed them throughout the territory of Israel, east of the Jordan, all the land of Gilead, the Gadites, the Reubenites, and the Manassites from Aror by the Wadi Arnon up to Gilead and Bashan. The other events of Yehu's reign and all his actions and all his exploits are recorded in the annals of the kings of Israel. Jehu slept with his fathers, and he was buried in Shomron. He was succeeded as king by his son Jehoiakaz. Jehu reigned over Israel for twenty-eight years in Shomron. When Natalia, the mother of Akazyahu learned that her son was dead. She promptly killed off all who were royal stock. But Yehoshiva, daughter of King Joram and sister of Akazyahu, secretly took Akayahu's son Joash away from among the princes who were being slain and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. And they kept him hidden from Italia so that he was not put to death. He stayed with her for six years, hidden in the house of Hashem, while Atalia reigned over the land. In the seventh year, Yehoyara sent for the chiefs of the hundreds of the Karaites and of the guards, and had them come to him in the house of Hashem. He made a pact with them, exacting an oath from them in the house of Hashem, and he showed them the king's son. He instructed them, This is what you must do. One-third of those who are on duty for the week shall maintain guard over the royal palace. Another third shall be stationed at the Sur gate, and the other third shall be at the gate behind the guards. You shall keep guard over the house on every side. The two divisions of yours who are off duty this week shall keep guard over the house of Hashem for the protection of the king. You shall surround the king on every side every man with his weapons at the ready, and whoever breaks through the ranks shall be killed. Stay close to the king in his comings and goings. The chiefs of hundreds did just as Yehoyada ordered. Each took his men, those who were on duty that week, and those who were off duty that week, and they presented themselves to Yehoyada the Kohen. The Kohen gave the chiefs of hundreds King David's spears and quivers that were kept in the house of Hashem. The guards each with his weapons at the ready, stationed themselves from the south end of the house to the north end of the house, at the altar and the house, but to guard the king on every side. Yehoyada then brought out the king's son, and placed upon him the crown and the insignia. They anointed him and proclaimed him king. 
They clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king! When Italia heard the shouting of the guards and the people, she came out to the people in the house of Hashem. She looked about and saw the king standing by the pillar, as was the custom, the chiefs with their trumpets beside the king, and all the people of the land rejoicing and blowing trumpets. Italia rent her garments and cried out, Treason! Treason! Then Kohen Yehoyada gave the command to the army officers, the chiefs of hundreds, and said to them, Take her out between the ranks, and if anyone follows her, put her to the sword. For the Kohen thought, Let her not be put to death in the house of Hashem. They cleared a passageway for her, and she entered the royal palace through the horse's entrance. There she was put to death. And Yehuyada solemnized the covenant between Hashem on the one hand, and the king and the people on the other, as well as between the king and the people, that they should be the people of Hashem. Thereupon all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal. They tore it down and smashed its altars and images to bits, and they slew Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Yehoyada the Kohen then placed guards over the house of Hashem. He took the chiefs of hundreds, the Karaites, the guards, and all the people of the land, and they escorted the king from the house of Hashem into the royal palace by the gate of the guards, and he ascended the royal throne. All the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet. As for Atalia, she had been put to the sword, in the royal palace. Joash was seven years old when he became king. Joash began his reign in the seventh year of Jehu, and he reigned in Jerusalem for forty years. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba. All his days Joash did what was pleasing to Hashem, as the Kohen Yehoyada instructed him. The shrines, however, were not removed. The people continued to sacrifice and offer at the shrines. Joash said to the Kohanim, All the money, current money, brought into the house of Hashem as sacred donations, any money a man may pay as the money equivalent of persons, or any other money that a man may be minded to bring to the house of Hashem, let the Kohanim receive it, each from his benefactor, They in turn shall make repairs on the house wherever damage may be found. But in the twenty-third year of King Joash it was found that the Kohanim had not made the repairs on the house. So King Joash summoned the Kohen, Yehoyada, and the other Kohanim and said to them, Why have you not kept the house in repair? Now do not accept money from your benefactors any more, but have it donated for the repair. Of the house. The Kohanim agreed that they would neither accept money from the people nor make repairs on the house, and the Kohen Yehoyada took a chest and bored a hole in its lid. He placed it at the right side of the altar as one entered the house of Hashem, and the priestly guards of the threshold deposited there all the money that was brought into the house of Hashem. Whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, the royal scribe and the Kohen Gadol would come up and put the money accumulated in the house of Hashem into bags, and they would count it. 
Then they would deliver the money that was weighed onto the, out to the overseers of the work who were in charge of the house of Hashem. These, in turn, used to pay the carpenters and the laborers who worked on the house of Hashem, and the masons and the stonecutters. They also paid for the wood and for quarried stone with which to make the repairs on the house of Hashem, and for every other expenditure that had to be made in repairing the house. However, no silver bowls, no snuffers, basins, or trumpets, no vessels of gold or silver were made at the house of Hashem from the money brought into the house of Hashem. This was given only to the overseers for the work of the repair of the house of Hashem. No check was kept on the men to whom the money was delivered to pay the workers, for they dealt honestly. Money brought as a guilt offering or as a sin offering was not deposited in the house of Hashem. It went to the Kohanim. At that time, King Hazael of Aram came up and attacked Gath and captured it, and Hazael proceeded to march on Jerusalem. Thereupon King Joash of Yehudah took all the objects that had been consecrated by his fathers, King Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Akazyahu of Yehudah, and by himself, and all the gold that there was in the treasuries of the temple of Hashem and in the royal palace, and he sent them to King Hazael of Aram, who then turned back from his march on Jerusalem. The other events of Joash's reign and all his actions are recorded in the annals of the kings of Yehudah. His courtiers formed a conspiracy against Joash and assassinated him at Beth Milo that leads down to Silla. The courtiers who assassinated him were Jazakar, son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, son of Shomer. He died and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and his son Amatsya succeeded him as king. Acts 18, 1-22 After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla. Because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came to them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought for, by their occupation, they were tent-makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justus, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not your peace, for I am with you, and no man shall set on you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. 
And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul, and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O you Jews, reason what I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio cared for none of those things. And Paul after this tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sencria, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer with them, he consented not, and bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that comes in Jerusalem. But I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. Psalm 145, 1-21 I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name for ever and ever. Every day will I bless you, and I will praise your name for ever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of your majesty, and of your wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of your terrible acts. I will declare your greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of your great goodness, and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all that fall and raises up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon you, and you give them their meat in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is near to all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserves all them that love him but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name for ever and ever. Proverbs 18.1 Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeks and intermeddles with all wisdom. 
I'd like to speak to you today from 2 Kings chapter 11, and then we're going to jump into Psalm 145. And in 2 Kings chapters 10 and 11, we see that Joash has been hidden away from the wicked queen Atalia, and he's hidden in the house for six or seven years, and then finally they bring him out at the right moment and anoint him as king. And wicked Queen Italia is put to the sword. So now, seven-year-old Joash is the king. And he sees that the temple, God's house, is in great disrepair and needs to be repaired. But the money that's being donated to the temple is going to the priests, and none of the money is being set aside to make repairs to the temple. And so... Joash, in his wisdom, gives an order that they are to take a, um, like a box and bore a hole in it and place it at the right side of the altar. Well, let's just read that verse in chapter 12, verse 10. And the Kohen Jehoiada took a chest and bored a hole in its lid. He placed it at the right side of the altar as one entered the house of Hashem, and the priestly guards of the threshold deposited there all the money that was brought into the house of Hashem. So Joash wants to see God's house repaired, and he's now made a way for this to happen. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. According to Jewish law, Money that is designated for use in the Beit HaMikdash, that is the temple, is endowed with a special status and must be used only for its intended purpose in the holy temple. It is therefore necessary to ensure that donated funds are properly secured and then distributed for care of the Beit HaMikdash and communal offerings. Today, without a doubt, without a Beit HaMikdash, we are likewise required to make sure that we are completely honest in our financial dealings and that money is used for its intended purpose. So now I want to take a look at a couple of other verses from chapter 11. Let's look at verses 17 and 18. And Yehoyada solemnized the covenant between Hashem on the one hand and the king and the people on the other as well as between the king and the people, that they should be the people of Hashem. There's something very rich and royal about that verse. It's a covenant, and it's not just any covenant, it's like a marriage covenant. So, when the Ten Commandments were brought down from Mount Sinai by Moses, and he asked the people, will you follow these commands? And they said, we will. This was basically God's invitation to the people to say, will you be my wife? Will you marry me? And when they said, we will obey your commands, this was their yes to the ketubah, to the marriage covenant. And so, as we see, as we read through the book of First and Second Kings, there are periods of time when there are wicked kings and the people wander far from the Lord and from his word. And then God raises up a good king and Joash is one of those good kings. And so what they're doing here is 
renewing their vows, their covenant with the Lord. And so it's a covenant between the people and the God of Israel. It's also a covenant between the king and the people. And that they're saying, we want to be the people of Hashem, the people of the God of Israel. Let's look at verse 18. Thereupon all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal. They tore it down and smashed its altars and images to bits, and they slew Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Yehuyada, the Kohen, then placed guards over the house of Hashem. So their very first act was to cleanse the land of false gods. And Baal was a bloody god. Baal was a god that they would actually um, sacrifice babies to this god. It's a god that demands blood. And today we have the spirit of Baal very alive and active in the United States, but also in many other countries around the world. And basically the abortion sin that bloodies our land, it's a blood sacrifice to the spirit of Baal every time a baby is aborted and murdered in the womb. And what we see happening now is that the Supreme Court is about to make their decision regarding the Roe versus Wade landmark decision back in the 1970s that made abortion legal throughout the nation. And they... There was a leak, and apparently they're going to reverse that decision. Now, that doesn't make abortion illegal throughout the land. What it does is it kicks it back to each state. Each state will individually then decide whether abortion is legal or illegal in that state. It gives the jurisdiction back to the states. So, in a way, if this Roe v. Wade decision is overturned, this would be like pulling down the Baal statue that people have been worshipping at, the god of self, that bloody god that demands blood of children. And that would be a pulling down of the Baal statue, of that Baal idol. But there's already been threats of violence and uh, violent protesters showing up at the homes of the Supreme Court justices to intimidate them and scare them. And so the concern is that if this decision is overturned, uh, what this might unleash in terms of civil unrest in the nation. So it is a form of a cleansing of the land, of the blood that we have on our hands. But there are still people who are very much into this Baal worship and who oppose the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Time will tell what will happen and how this will play out. But that is one of the landmarks of when a people return to the God of Israel, their first act is, let's get rid of the idols in our land. Okay, now let's look at Psalm 145. And this psalm is just chock full of beautiful promises. Promises of the Lord's tender care for his people. I'll start in verse 16. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. He is near 
to all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. We learn about his nature and his character. Let's look at verse 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. You know, sometimes we just need to be reminded of the qualities and the attributes and the character of God, especially when we're caught up in circumstances in life that are difficult or trying, or it's a burden, we're working hard, we're struggling. We need to turn our eyes upon him, upon the Lord, and meditate on his goodness and his graciousness, his mercy, his loving kindness, that he's slow to anger, and just enjoy being in his presence. There's no one like him. He is so awesome. He is so kind and so loving and so caring for his children. Enjoy being in his presence this day. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.